All right, guys, we have a very special announcement. It's official. The Bases Loaded Pod is joining the Roto Baller Radio Podcast Network. A little bit about Roto Baller. Since 2013, Roto Baller has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy addicts their fix with player news and cutting edge fantasy analysis. If you didn't know, Roto Baller's 2020 MLB Draft Kit is already live. Rotoballer's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools, including printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points, head-to-head, dynasty, roto, AL only, NL only, you name it, they've got it. Rotoballer's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools. These draft tools include printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points leagues, head-to-head, roto, dynasty, AL or NL only, you name it, they've got it. They also offer rankings and projections from the number one most accurate industry expert, Nick Mariano. Not to mention access to their exclusive rankings wizard. Like I said, there's 15, those are just three. So there's so much more to check out. For a limited time, get your MLB premium pass for 50% off. But wait, it does actually get better. Right now, you can get an additional 10% off if you use promo code BASESLOADED. Just visit rotoballer.com slash bases loaded to sign up for your premium pass today so you could dominate your leagues tomorrow. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off. Hello and welcome back everybody to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast and I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland and tonight I am talking all things fantasy baseball with Brian Entrek. Oh dang I always mess up your name. <laughs> Entre- Entrek- Entrekin? I always- that was very close. Entrekin yes. Entrekin. Brian Entrekin. I feel the need to edit that, but it was sincerely a screw-up, so I might just leave it. I apologize. You guys better know him as Bubba. He's on. He's from the Bench with Bubba podcast. And, man, plug everything you do because you are a busy man. Yes, no, and don't edit that out because uh, my whole life people have not pronounced <laughs> my name. So it's it's par for the course. And you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick. Uh, bench with Bubba is my my uh, benched. I, I, I was told I need to pronounce that clear bench with an E-D. Um, is is my staple podcast doing two a week at least uh, a lot of fantasy baseball stuff there We're doing industry stuff every Monday with uh, bat flip crazy and then random guests throughout the weeks uh, other than that uh, MLB DFS quick hits will be going on I believe year five starting this year Monday through Friday mornings previewing the MLB slate ahead for DFS people so that'll be lots of fun I do a golf podcast I do a around the base with Bubba and Mo just kind of a more news of a little fantasy baseball chatter um, I do some football work, uh, two-point conversion, D- NFL DFS podcast. I do the Fantrax DFS show. I write for Fantasy Sports DGens. I'm a part of the Fantasy Black Book with Joe P. Sapia. And I got some more things coming up, hopefully, in the next few weeks to write them out as well. And you gave me a hard time one of these days off the air about being busy. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, the thing is, I didn't, I didn't do it all at once. I slow played it. It is going on for is. four to five years. You, you've jumped in uh, uh, full force. <laughs> yeah. No regrets. And my wife's been way more supportive than I anticipated. So that's it was one good. of those. That's this good. Was, this is one of those I asked for forgiveness, not for permission type of deal. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to live life. <laughs> yeah. Until you end up divorced and all. Anyway. Um, yeah. in, all serious, in all seriousness, yeah, it does. In all seriousness, though. Thank you for joining me. And for those, like you mentioned, um, this is a fantasy baseball podcast, obviously. But if you're into football, golf, you said part for the course. I was waiting for the golf plug. I know you're a golf guy. Yes, yes. Uh, always pressing PGA DFS podcast is out there every Monday night. Yeah. Uh, I, know, I know you talk a lot of uh, college football. Like, you're all over the place. You are literally a sports, overall yes. sports degen. Not just fantasy degen, sports degen. Mm-hmm. Like, that is you. So, anything, anything sports related, Bubba's your guy. Now, tonight... These are. This is why I've been starting like a little bit of like all things fantasy baseball because the idea is to give everybody a chance to get to know you a little bit, how you started, and obviously you just talk about where you're at now, but talk about a little bit how you got there, and then we're gonna get into just how you create your player valuations, what sites you prefer. A lot of this was like kind of like my own thought, and then when I saw Yancey Eaton, a lot of people who don't know who that is, <laughs> great follow, 
he put out no, but he put out these tweets talking about how he almost wants these types of pods. I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Like, I'm selfish. This is self-serving. I want to hear your story, and this makes me better. So, as an analyst and everything, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna run with this idea. So Yancey, Yancey definitely take gets part of the credit for this idea for sure because he just made he made me realize that there was more of a want for it. So it is a little bit of a niche. So we're gonna. We're going to give these guys what they asked for, or at least this guy, what he asked for in Nancy. <laughs> if anybody deserves it, it's Nancy. So just dive right in. But before we do it, actually, not dive right in. We're going to start with the big news of the night, which was Marcelo Zuna, right? A couple hours before we started recording. Marcelo Zuna signed that one-year $18 million deal with the Braves. I know I have some strong feelings on it, or at least opinions, but I want to hear what you have to say before I even go into it. So what are your initial thoughts on this deal? I think it's an absolutely amazing deal for the Atlanta Braves. They were all in on Josh Donaldson. That didn't work out so well. So your fallback plans, Marcelo Zuna, not too bad. Uh, if you're a StatCast fan, we'll get into my player evaluation mo- mode later. But I'm a big StatCast guy. When you see the blood red that Marcelo Zuna brings to your life, it's a beautiful thing. Um, he hits the living stunt out of a baseball. And that's one thing he's going to do over and over again. He's going to play a very shaky defense, but you don't worry about that in this area of baseball as much anymore, especially in the corner outfield spots. So now you got Acuna, Albies, Freeman, and Ozuna at the top of the order. I think it's a phenomenal deal for them. It leaves the uh, Cardinals kind of wondering because it seemed like Ozuna would go there. Um, it, it's it's a, it's kind of it's a one year deal. It's these things we've been seeing with certain guys lately that don't really. I don't know. I'm not gonna say they have a ton to offer. He's got good power and everything, but we've seen this with certain players these days. Uh, you know, the Mustakas is the world Grandals, um, even Josh Donaldson, and then they eventually get their deal when it's right. But um, there's really no one in the market for a multi year outfielder right now weirdly enough. So Ozuna gets paid at least, and he can go earn it again. And as a fantasy player, I kind of like the idea of a guy on a one-year deal because he has to stay hungry. He can't get comfortable in his laurels. Uh, So for the fantasy aspect of it, I think it's a phenomenal move. Uh, I was tweeting about it before the show. uh, ADP since January 1st and draft champions going about 106. That's going to climb up into the high 80s, I'd imagine, in the next uh, month or so. He's going to be very, very popular. He's like the 26th outfielder off the board, I believe. You can plan on that being more like, uh, you know, 17, 18, give or take in there, if not even higher. So great move for the Braves. Really, really good move for the Braves. Oh, I couldn't agree more as far as a move for the Braves. My initial outfield rankings, like these haven't been updated in a while. And he actually, I I was very optimistic on his landing spot. I have him at 20. I still don't see, I feel like I already had him ranked where he should have been as far as outfielders go. Now it's becoming, for me, it's like between him and Stanton. And before, that was where I had Stanton ranked. So maybe I'm just too low on Stanton. But regardless, that's a whole other discussion. Um, but, man, I love this deal for the, the Braves, again, are just somehow talking to these stud players into one-year deals. And I didn't think Azuna had to do a prove-it deal. But I guess he wasn't getting the, the market he was expecting. You know, he wasn't getting the offer. So this is what it leads, leads to. And, man, I like, the, I like the park factors. Definitely one of the better parks he's hidden as a home park in his career because, you know, Miami and St. Louis aren't really known to be great home parks. And uh, you're right. This is, as far as fantasy goes, this is fantastic. I'm just, I'm just more or less shocked of the lack of interest for a multi-year deal. Yeah. It's just, it's just the world we're, we weird world of baseball these days. We've seen in the last few years, these markets that every year Moustakas would get a deal and we'll talk about him later, but I never understood why he was getting like one-year deals. I, just, I never got it. And he finally got paid this year. I'd imagine Ozuna will still get another deal. He might have just been asking for a little too much. Go play well for another year. You'll get paid. He'll get his one way or another. It is strange. It is odd. But uh, it just wasn't like we saw like, um, the Padres trade for Tommy Pham. We've seen these like teams like the White Sox sign these young players, Eloy Jimenez and Louis, uh, Louis Robert, this year. So, so a lot of people are kind of building within or trading, not so much signing right now, which is kind of – the weird factor of it and the guys that have signed we've seen like a lot of multi-year deals so it's like this is why and mm-hmm. older guys too with like you mentioned with yeah. Stockis, donaldson these are older guys getting multi-year deals and not bad ones you have a 29 year old guy with a bat that you can argue is up there with those guys as far as power goes mm-hmm. and not getting that deal so it's really interesting obviously we'll see how it plays out next year depending on that holdout situation potential as well but, yeah, that, I think overall we both agree it's very, very good for his value. Early drafters are going to reap the rewards of getting him at his cheapest because he will no longer be outside the top 100. You're, there's no way. So Most definitely. So we, we can just move right along now. Getting into this whole fantasy baseball thing, okay, again, you mentioned how much you've done. You said it's been like a three or four or even five-year process. But where did it all start? 
and how did you like walk me through how you got here? How did I get here? Well, first you mentioned Yancey Eaton. I want to give a shout out to Yancey because he um, is one of the first friends I had on Twitter, which got me in the fantasy world. Uh, first phone number I given out to anybody. We text on the regular. Yancey's one of the greatest human beings you'll ever meet, let alone follows on Twitter. He's just a genuinely awesome dude. So um, for some reason, if you're not following Yancey Eaton, you're doing Twitter wrong. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Awesome dude. But how I started, I just had to open my Twitter to find out. Um, I started Twitter in April of 2013. So we're going on almost six years. April is a convenient time because that's when baseball season used to start. Um, and that's when I started doing things. I probably started in the fantasy industry in um, 2014 slash 2015, give or take, and they're kind of hardcore into it. But I just kind of started on Twitter getting to meet people and going along that route, kind of seeing what everything was. And it wasn't nearly the industry it is now. Like the industry you've walked into was not what it was back then. It was kind of more of a slow, you had the big companies, not as many small people were out and about doing things, not as many podcasts, not many independent websites like fantasy, uh, fantasy sports DJs that I run was not a, a real thing for a couple more years. Um, and then it just took on a mind of its own. Like I started doing a lot of daily fantasy sports, a lot of season long stuff. My original podcast was just sports in general. And then I started realizing everybody I was talking to was fantasy. And I love doing that more and more because I played it. So why not cover it? Um, it made sense because I love sports. I love baseball. It's my passion. So um, I just kept grinding and grinding and grinding and um, bench with Bubba's up to episode 237. I'll be doing 238 tomorrow uh, on Wednesday. And um, then I, I took over MLB DFS Quick Hits. I started Ramrod in that. And that's got quite the, the following of its own. It's always fun when people are already asking if I'm back again for another year. Um, and then, you know, slowly but surely, you know, I joined the Quant Edge last year to write Daily Fantasy for them. And Joe P. Sapia, they asked me to do the Black Book. It's just been one thing after another. And slowly uh, getting to meet these guys, getting to interview them on shows, realizing, like I told you a long time ago, it never hurts to ask because it's one of the most friendly communities I've ever met. Uh, Twitter can be a cesspool. It can be an absolute disaster at times. It can be a lot of fun too. And there's a lot of great people out there. And the, the, the worst you can do is ask because the worst they'll say is no. And most of them won't. So the more you put yourself out there and the more work you do, the more humility you show, the more uh, connections you'll get. And that's kind of where it's got me to this point now. And it's kind of fun now because I was grinding. I've been turned down from writing gigs, a lot of stuff like that. I, I, I like talking more than writing, but I keep trying to write more. And now it's gotten to the point people know me enough that they'll work with my illiteracy and um, help me become a better writer because they want me to write for their website, which is pretty nice. So uh, it, it's awesome. It's uh, the beginning of many things to come, hopefully. I'm still jealous. I have not been able to visit any of the, uh, you know, first pitch Arizona's and stuff. I know you're going to Florida. Uh, it just never works out on my schedule and it already won't work out again this year, which I'm very bummed about. But um, one, I, I get to meet some guys next week. I'm going to be in Scottsdale. So uh, it's, it's an awesome community. The Barf Draft with Justin Mason. You get along with the right people and they guide you in the right direction. And just doing those little things has just opened doors to so many avenues. So I know I'm blabbering on and on, but uh, you asked how I got started. It was more just networking on Twitter and getting to know guys and just kind of starting my own thing and just saying, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast. And then it just kind of kept going and going and get certain guests on and it, go, it keeps growing. And next thing you know, you're doing it a lot and people just love hearing your voice or at least they act like they do by downloading your uh, podcast. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And obviously I've only been doing this for a little, about a year now and mm -hmm. it blows my mind how much opportunity there is if you're willing to put in the work for it. As you said, like I jumped in two feet, like, like just went for it and man, it's been nonstop. I mean, it's awesome though. It's been, and like you mentioned, very welcoming. Heck, this is our, this is our third time total recording together. And we just met probably six months ago or so. It's just one of those things that we interact a lot. And I've always shown you the respect that you deserve and you've always shown it back to me. And there's somebody just trying to earn it. So something like that just says a lot about somebody like you, you know, being in the industry for so long. And I've yet to meet somebody who hasn't really, regardless of how long they've been in there, you know, I've, I've talked to Spore, asked Pollock, I've reached out to like, I've reached out to some of these guys behind the scenes and they've all been so accommodating. It's so awesome. And it's like you said, it's just, Unlike anything you expect, expect because these guys, including yourself, you guys just have such a following these days. And for someone like me to be newer, for you guys to take the time out to critique my work, give me advice, it's like stuff like that. You don't get that every day. So it's like this industry is beyond welcoming and it's just overall well, awesome. And I try to pay it forward the best I can already. And you are. And one thing in that respect is, A, like I said, you've, you've already talked to a lot of great people. And the, the thing with that is, 
like I said, they'll, the worst they can say is no, and most of them won't say no. It'll be, no, I can't right now, but when can we reschedule? Like, yep. it's, ne- it's never a, no, I'm never coming on your show. It's yeah. literally, and, and for you and I, like, you know, I, I talked to RotoWire. I have a very good relationship with those RotoWire guys. It was pretty crazy how it all took place, but there's one guy, we've literally been back and forth for three months trying to set up a date, hmm. but they're in, they're, they're in the middle of doing their public. I've had them on my show multiple times but they they just published their draft guide. So I wasn't going to bug him. It was just little, little things like that. But he would like message me saying, Hey, I'm not like ignoring you. We're working on this. So that's my point is the industry is amazing. Like it really, really is. And um, one, one thing you said, we've talked three times. One thing I pride myself on, on bench with Bubba, because I remember where I was four or five, six years ago, whenever it all started, I can't even remember. It's been like just a roller coaster ride, but um I remember where I was and how cool it is to talk to different people. By no means am I saying I'm like Paul Spore or anything like that. But um, I love Bench with Bubba because I can bring on anybody I want. And I love getting first timers on the show. If people look at the people that I've had on my show, I've had the Eno Saracis, I've had Paul Spores, Nick Pollux. Uh, I've had all those guys, but I have way more of the guys that like have less than 400 followers on Twitter. Yeah. Like, I love people like that because they're super knowledgeable people that people don't know about. And that's one thing I love doing with it. And I've had some of my best podcasts that way. I was actually going to say that, like, like, man, some of the best, some of the smartest people I've met have like the smallest followings. And I'm like, man, like I'll sit there, I'll like retweet, like, Hey, this guy deserves a follow. And maybe like seven of my guys go and follow them. But Hey, that those seven followers are still helping him grow. So it's like, I get that, man. And honestly, I've been, I've been kind of the small man asking the big fish. And as I start to grow, you know, more and more, I feel like I definitely want to return the favor. And I, you know, I've had some, what you would call like, you know, lesser followed guys, which again, I'm not a big follow by any means. Like, like you were saying, like, I'm not trying to talk myself up at all. I get, I'm still a small fish in the big pond. I totally get that, but I'm still trying to help where I can retweeting and liking and suggesting. And those big, you know, those big lists on Twitter where you just tag 15 people. Like I do all that. I do whatever I can to try to pay it forward, man. Cause it's, this industry has been nothing short of great for me. So. There's a lot of great content out there. That's the one thing I want to keep. Like my, my goal is to reiterate and I, I understand people are like, you know, retweeted stuff all over their timeline. And I, I know I get it. It gets annoying. I laugh sometimes when I look at my timeline, but I, I try to reach out to at least whenever I see it that to, to pass on some of this great content. Cause there's a lot of really good stuff out there. And the big thing the what, the, like you mentioned, when you started, I'm realizing, cause you know, you brought it up when you, you said you started, you said there was like very little of this, you know, type of like how crazy it's gotten, like how everybody can literally start a blog tomorrow and start their own website. And it's just, it's like the thing to do, like a podcast isn't enough to stand out. The only way to, the way I found standing out now at this point is just consistency. Yep. You have to just put out work on a consistent basis and it's a slow grind. My first, yep. like I look back at my first episodes, first of all, they, they were hilariously bad. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can, you can tell you're just oh, I know. so uncomfortable. <laughs> you can't, you're not really yourself. I, I over edited. Like I, I could just, I just remember the days I would spend like eight hours editing a 30 minute clip. Oh. I'm not exaggerating. It was bad. Cause I was just so overly, I was so overly concerned what people think. Now it's like, you're going to like me or not, or you're not, you know, but yeah. anyway, so it's just crazy. It's just like, the consist the consistency is where I can't say the word consistency because this is where I feel like that's kind of what helped me stand apart for stand us uh, stand out from the like the newer group the us newer guys and again I'm not I, I hate the fact I don't I hate to sound like I'm st- like I'm talking myself up but you know what I mean like you, I, you, I, you worked to, your butt off I'm trying to show that like you want to stand out you got to kind of go above and beyond and honestly yep. I, I didn't expect to I still don't I'm still surprised by the mild success i've had so far and it's just so awesome the what's going on i just um like it's still cloud nine man you you hit on a, a big thing there that's something i i preach to a lot of people like my fantasy sports dgens website it's a free website we make no money on it like if you come i i encourage all writers that want to learn how to write our experienced writers whoever to come like i welcome anybody to contribute to the site it's fun like we have waves of new writers they leave new writers and the one thing they always ask after a while is like hey how's my stuff doing this that's it it's good if you're consistent. If you're not consistent, no one's going to pay attention. It, it's yeah. very simple. If you put out consistent content, uh, it's a series or it's just at least, you know, every Monday and Thursday, or they know something's coming, you will get good business. Uh, and that's why, like, with your podcast, you know, you, you guarantee them you're giving them a certain amount of days or whatever. They know to check in those days. It's, it's, it's very true. It's tried and true in any business, but especially this deal, 
if you want to get to the next level, if that's what you're looking for, consistency is huge. Yeah, and I can't agree more. It's like the one thing I definitely picked up on. And on top of that, consistency makes you better in general, like you were saying. Like, people, like you want to get better, you got to – like, trust me, I read my earlier articles – not just, I don't just, like, I actually got into this just like you. I'm a talker, if you haven't noticed. And uh, <laughs> I love talking. That's what I do. I do it best. Heck, I do solo pods for fun so I can talk to myself. But uh, writing was never, ever on, like, like, it was like, you know what? I might do it down the road. And then I realized how much faster you grow because people tend, I guess people read more than they listen, at least yeah. initially. And the writing is what's taken me places farther than the podcast which really upset me at first like n- now i enjoy the writing i've learned to enjoy it but at first it was like oh, i got to write after another article like you gotta put you got if you really like you said if you want to grow and do things you got to kind of do stuff that maybe at first you i mean if you're not again it's not for everybody because if you want to just enjoy it do what you love that's another thing because people mm-hmm. are going to see that people could tell if you love something so i guess i've learned to love writing but it wasn't something i initially wanted to do <laughs> to be completely it's not easy. honest it's not easy especially when most jobs aren't paid jobs it's, no, no, no. Uh, it's tough to realize I'm going to spend X amount of hours on something that can make nothing for it. But And to be completely honest, like I, I started off doing, I still do most of this. I, I don't make, I make a little bit. I won't lie. I won't say I won't make nothing, but I promise you I put way more hours into it. Like I make like, you know, it's like literally like maybe a dollar an hour for as much work as I put into it, probably less. And I'm okay with that. Cause I know like it's the money is obviously nice, but it's secondary. So, at least for me it's big picture to make it work you you got to wait and wait and wait and eventually that opportunity will come exactly i'm so, still looking for it so it's, it's out there somewhere well you know what i'm wishing you the best of luck because again with all <laughs> with everything you do if anybody deserves it man and i'm not just saying this i really do mean it you are one of the ones that would deserve it if anybody does with how much work and with how much work and effort you put into it so and okay let's get to what people probably want to listen to at this point Cause uh, we've been talking about the industry, which I just, I could talk about all night. But it's a fun thing. It's a very fun rabbit hole. It is. It's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's actually just like player valuations, which is exactly mm-hmm. what we're getting into. The industry offers rabbit holes. You can go many different directions, whichever way you want, but let, player valuations, same thing as a whole. Let's just start with the basics. What sites do you prefer to start on? And kind of where does that take you? Like, I, I know, I know I have like my four favorite, I have like three or four sites open at all times on my, on my, on my computer screen, but what are yours? Mine are the simple ones, baseball savant, fan graphs. I'll look at baseball reference once in a while, but it's almost all baseball savant and, um, and fan graphs. I'll look at Brooks baseball from time to time. But um, it, one thing with me is when I first started this deal, I didn't know what sabermetrics were. I was, I'm literally a watch a game, I knew what I knew what happened when I played baseball. I knew things like that, and I go off of, of things along those natures, the feels, the streaks, the consistencies. And I've developed, obviously, more and more throughout the times of, of these X stats and all this awesome stuff Baseball Savant offers and then fan graphs, the splits, and all these leaderboards and all that kind of stuff. So I've learned to embrace them all. I still have a lot of learning to do. There's no hiding that at all. I'm still very, very raw with a lot of the search functions out there. But um, – for, for me, it's those are my main two sites, and I, I try to incorporate more and more each year. It's just there's so much new stuff all the time. It's hard to keep up with it all, to be totally honest. No, you're not alone, and when I, I started this, I had zero experience with the advanced sets. I literally – what I did was literally – Look, I I found this pictureless article and I, I I tweet it from time to time. It's like a it's like a one oh one. Literally, I think it's like a one oh one on the metrics. Like they break down every little metric, what it means, what it stands for. Like I think it's more like the bigger basic ones, you know, the woba, ex woba, all that stuff. And then I I literally would go look at fan graphs for the glossary. I would sit there and just study the glossary a little bit, just so I can learn. And then now I've embraced it a little more, a little more each day, and it's like. Yeah, but I, you're right. Like I can't keep up with the new stuff. Like you have people like Max Freeze who comes up with like mm-hmm. these earned home run uh, statistics, and you have Chamberlain with his uh like the, the tightness, the swing tightness thing. And it's like I love it, but honestly, I have a hard time keeping up with it and reading through it. And truly, I have to read through it three or four times sometimes to even somewhat grasp it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just with, I'm right there with you, man. Hey, Although I'll, I feel- I'll, be, I'll be totally honest, and I, I tell people this all the time. If they want to think I'm stupid, it's fine, but. Um, I, I think I know pretty good stuff about fantasy baseball. I think I'm pretty knowledgeable in fantasy baseball. But uh, when like Chamberlain and, and Toby, Batflip Crazy and all those guys, 
start tweeting out their R squareds and all this, you know, advanced statistics stuff. I just completely go into another zip code on what's going on right there. So I just look at it and I talk to Toby about it all the time when we're recording and I go, you yeah, have no clue what you're talking about. No clue at all. Just tell me what, what I need to know here. <laughs> but what's good, honestly, that's, and that, that, that's why I do this. I'll listen to, I actually do listen to your guys' joint podcast pretty frequently. And I enjoy the balance because you guys yeah. offer, you know, he offers that, that you offer like that almost like a relatable, more relatable guy. Toby offers that like professor type, which yep. benefits both types of players. Cause I feel like I fit kind of in between to be honest. Cause I'm, I'm more like you, I'm more like meat and potatoes, see what we yep. got. Yep. And Toby is just like, he's, he's otherworldly smart as well. And it's like, I can mostly keep up, but then like you said, they get to a point where it's like my mouth opens, the saliva runs out. I'm like, duh. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, a good I, way. He, smart. He, he keeps it pretty tame for the most part on the pod, but he'll, he'll, he'll go down some rabbit holes and I'm like, oh boy. But uh, that was the whole point of that podcast because I've met Toby a few times prior to that and we've kind of talked about it and we're trying to figure schedules out and we finally found a day that would work. I'm like, dude, this is going to be perfect. You know, you're the advanced guy. You can go super deep on things. I can bring it back to the to the the normal person to kind of keep it simple for him. We can mesh it together. I think it's going to work pretty well. And so far, the reception's on it's been pretty darn awesome. So I'm glad people are enjoying the idea that we had is coming to life at least. So that's good. Now, as somebody who, like you said, you you embrace the metrics, you have no problem with them, but some you're still somebody. It sounds like you're still a pretty big eye test guy and surface mm-hmm. numbers guy. Do you think there's a, a happy balance? Because I mean, I mean, I know. I'm at a point now where it's like I said, I'm getting really into the analytics and I've, I've bettered myself as far as the analytics have gone, but I still feel like there has to be a happy medium. Sometimes I'm starting to think like, when is it too much? You know, like there's just so much going on. It's getting crazy. It's a great question. And there's probably really no exact answer. I know Frank Stanfield uh, tweeted out something like last week. Uh, what's your ratio on like eye test and, and advanced stats and I told him I'm probably still like 60-40 eye test. Like I'll, I really embrace it. I pretty much don't look into a player if I'm evaluating them from any standpoint without at least looking at their fan crafts and uh, baseball savant pages. I at least look at the X stats and advanced stats to get an idea of what's going on. But it, it, the part of me where I played baseball forever, I, I, would, I played with Dustin Pedroia and these guys. Like I, I grew up playing ball with them. And uh, I know for a fact when you're the, the creatures of habit, uh, streaks, there's a lot of little things that, yes, these advanced stats are great now. They're amazing tools. But there's also, to me, there's certain things that an advanced stat just won't tell you. And um, so for me, I still I still believe in the eye test quite a bit. Like, that's why one thing I love DFS a lot. You can ride streaks in DFS. Season long, in the end of the season, obviously, you're just going to have that guy's stat line. And you ride the roller coaster ride unless you're on a weekly head-to-head type thing. But uh, in a daily fantasy format, you can ride streaks. You can run um, – all kinds of like uh, righty lefty matchups are more specific in those formats, things along those lines. So um, I, it's both. I don't know what the exact answer is. I think more and more teams are going advanced stats route, but at the same time, some use trash cans. So who knows? <laughs> uh, I've been so, you know, how hard it's been for me to just avoid that topic on the podcast because I know it's so talked about. It's like, but man, it's, yeah, it's, you know what? I'm going to keep avoiding it. We're not going to go yep. down that. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> It's so hard. You know what? I got to do it. Do you think – because Hall, Hall, Hall of Fame voting just happened, and we know the steroid era is greatly affecting these Hall of Fame, like, votes. Which one do you think is going to end up being worse? Like, you think these guys are going to have a hard – like, do you think it's going to be similar? Like, they're going to get that treatment. Like, they might as well have taken steroids type of thing when it comes to their names. You know, like the Altuve's of the world. Maybe George Springer if he gets a nod down the line. Just depending on how they finish their careers, obviously. Like, do you think that this is going to be one of those things that just – keep them out similar to the steroids or you think there's gonna be eventually people are gonna be like you know what like i don't know about you but i'm big like bonds and clemens specifically i'm i want them on the hall of fame i think regardless of steroids they they would have done what they did i just think unfortunately they fell into the you know what everybody else was doing at the time but like Altuve, I, I don't know like i don't know man what do you think yeah for one bonds needs to be in the hall of fame he should have been in the hall of fame like I thought he should be the first ballot Hall of Famer. But uh, and Clemens should be there as well. Once you let Piazza and Pudge in, steroid users, they're, you're, you're, you've lost all credibility. So these are just old curmudgeon voters that don't like these guys. That's what it is. Um, so they yeah, should Bonds, be in. Bonds was not a uh... – No, Bonds pissed people off. <laughs> yeah, like, he was I, not I, much he, of a media guy. Yeah, it was not <laughs> good. It was not good at all. Um, but when it comes to the steroid guys, 
Yes, I believe the argument of they, they would have been Hall of Famers beforehand. Sadly, we can't use that argument because they cheated. Um, yes. But the way I look at the steroid is they call it the steroid era because so many guys, it was almost, almost, not really, it was almost an even playing field in reality because mm-hmm. there were so many guys using steroids. You can't tell me X amount of pitchers weren't using them against Bonds. And Clemens was facing so many batters that were juiced up. It's, you can't just pinpoint one or two guys that were using to keep them out. That's where they have to be. If you want to make a new wing, that's fine. I've had this argument many times. Like, if you <laughs> want a steroid wing. wing, that's fine. They should have a cocaine wing for um, all those uh, – Vince Coleman and those guys in the 80s. Yeah. They should have a greenies wing. Like, they should just do it all. Think about it. A um, ball Babe wing Ruth, down the line. Yeah, Babe Ruth was getting drunk during um, Prohibition. That was illegal back then. Oh, so, awesome. like, if you really want to get weird about it, we can get weird about it. But, um, yes, bonds of them should be – to your Astros question, this is tough because, A – I believe almost every team is cheating in one way or another to steal signs. Yes. To the extent of banging on trash cans, I don't know. If the electronics thing is true, that's a big, like, Pete Rose-type cheating. Like, yes. that's, that's bad. If it stops at trash cans, I'd like to say at some point in time they'll get in. It is going to leave a black eye, especially if they don't start digging up other teams. If it's just the Astros, that's going to linger for a while. Um, but if they find out the electronics are true, I don't see them ever getting in. That's the difference. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I, I was. I was just. I've been pondering that. It was actually George. Um, you know, George on our, on my podcast that uh was texting about possibly tweeting that poll out. But he's like, it's gonna talk. It's gonna start a whole Twitter storm. And I'm like, you're probably right. You probably, if you're not in the mood to argue with people, you probably shouldn't tweet that out. So now uh, I'm just putting your, out your, on the tw- your Twitter storm won't be that bad. Trust me, they're okay. Yeah, but you know, coming from a guy who just dealt with one, so <laughs> which again, yeah. we're not getting into that. No, we're not going to get into that. No, we're really not. But yeah. I'm going to sum it up, and I don't care who's listening. You did not deserve that reaction because you totally did not mean to come off that way. And no. I play in the NFBC, so I took yeah. zero offense. I even, I even, I DM'd you. I supported yeah. you openly. I was like, hey, I don't yeah. know what the hell's going on here. So we're going to A lot of guys on. did. So yeah, that was that was weird. Very weird one. I don't know how that happened. You know what? Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter, yeah. People just <laughs> people just like to misinterpret things, man. But it is what it is. That's so, why I podcast. Yeah, because you can show your personality more. You can, yep. yeah, exactly. You can talk about it. You can exactly. You can you can people can get the I, the tone behind mm-hmm. your statements. So going back, <laughs> reeling this back in a little bit, uh, you mentioned Stat Cat, uh, Savant, and Fangraphs being your two go to sources. Of those like sources, though, where do you kind of start your analysis? Do you kind of go through the surface stats and then dig into like plate discipline, et cetera, et cetera, X stats? I know that's all there. So kind of pick and choose your favorites. Which ones do you kind of lean on more than others, maybe? Uh, for, for hitters, I start out with uh, I love barrels. That's been something that's been talked about a lot with, you know, Richards and Max mm-hmm. Freak and these guys, how, how good and fluid a barrel percentage is and barrel per batted ball events along those lines. So I'm a big barrel fan, and then if that looks good, then I'll look at the exit velos and the hard hit rates, and then I'll go down to uh, something that Toby's actually convinced, like he's made me more aware of, and make I seem to go to it every time now. Is I start looking at the zone contact, the the, the chase rates, all those type of things, and you can see a lot of things. Like I looked at Will Myers earlier today, Oof. and it was disgusting, absolutely disgusting what he yes. what he did last year. Strikeout rate went up to 34 percent. His whiff rate went up seven and a half percent from last year. Like a lot of like, whoa, what just took place there, buddy? But um, and those are things I used to never look at. So it uh, those I start on baseball savant for the most part, and then I'll go to the fan graphs, and that's where I start looking kind of at the home run to fly balls and and stuff along those lines to give me a, a better idea of the total picture if I really really like a guy. My favorite part about these, and again, you probably are, you're probably more familiar, but a lot of people aren't that there's a difference in like fly ball rates and mm-hmm. all the stuff between the sites, hard hit rates. And a lot of people, and I'm pretty sure the consensus is with even with five ball rates, which I was guilty of looking at fan graphs myself, but people suggest look at uh, Savant. Savant actually, mm-hmm. because fan graphs includes infield fly balls in yep. their fly ball rates. So that's yeah, a big cause thing. Savant, Cause Savant know. has fly balls and pop-ups. Yes. But it's weird. Cause pretty sure fan has an infield fly ball rate as well. So it's like, they're almost double counting it. Yeah, it is kind of odd. So, yeah, so for those who aren't aware, like I'm making the transition now, and I've been doing it for a year. So, like all these other, like all these fly ball data, like things I've been doing off fan graphs, I'm just now transitioning to fly balls on 
a savant. So, but yes, um, that's why it's like you mentioned your 60, 40 eye test. I'm a little flipped actually. I'm, I'm 70, I'd say I'm 65, 70 analytics, 30 eye test because I just can't watch enough baseball, but there are things you can't quantify. Like you mentioned, I just, I really thought about it. And I remember I was, listening, I was, I think it was the Pollock and Spore podcast recently, the one with their pitcher breakdowns. Like, you know, we're Pollock and them, we're going back and forth like this love hate relationship almost. Yep. Um, they were talking about like rhythm and you, and you mentioned a little bit too, just getting into your rhythms and your routines and you can't quantify that in the numbers. And his big example was watching Flaherty just that whole mm-hmm. second half. He was just in this rhythm, just a smooth, went out there and dominated. And it was like, just what in that not only did it show the numbers but numbers suggest regression and obviously you gotta bake it in even with the eye test you gotta bake in regression but it's just goes to show you that there are things you can't quantify in sports and that's why it's like people who are i feel like if you get too carried away in the numbers you'll get lost in them and they're like oh people are like oh because people a lot of people don't realize it like savant especially i feel like shows it's more of like a a product of what you did do Mm-hmm. versus it's not as, like some parts are predictive but a lot of it is more just based on what the production already was so you got to kind of pick and choose and not and gotta be kind of, you gotta really it's again it's probably more i'm probably confusing people trying to get into the analytics you really just have it's it's hard that's why you say it's like an ongoing thing you just have to constantly teach yourself and learn if you want to go that route or stick to your eye test whatever works for you at the end of the day i guess exactly well it's <laughs> like like the creature of habit thing with flaherty uh, Travis Shaw just came out and said right before last season he he tried to work on a new swing and it screwed him up for the whole year mm-hmm. and he couldn't get out of it because of his muscle memory. Uh, these guys just do so many things. It takes a lot to change things. So just because we look at his numbers and they weren't great from last year, if you go into this year thinking those are his numbers, you're crazy because, A, I think he's an insane value in Toronto this year, and, B, he's going to have his old swing back. So just keep that in mind. He it, Maybe he's broken. But the fact he came out and said it, that's what these guys do. They tinker with things. If they tinker's wrong, it takes a long time to fix it. Like you've seen it with picture, pitchers, hitters. It's not – you can't find those things in the stats. No, you, you cannot. Sometimes with hitters you can see like, – and I've actually gone and watched tape because what I'll do is if a launch angle looks really different, that would mm-hmm. suggest to me there's a swing change somewhere. Yep. So that's like one of those – like that's like the one time you can see kind of a swing change. But then you have – but then again, I, I like to actually go watch – I'll go to Savant and look at the game logs and find like – find some game logs. And like Schwarber was one I saw a swing change midseason last year, which correlated with his uh, – which correlated with the uh, change in production in the second half. So that was kind of cool because I like tangible change, and that's the thing I harp on. I say the word tangible change – those words anytime I have a chance. And um, just like that, so it's like it, – but so, so sometimes the numbers will actually prompt you to go – but actually they'll lead you in a direction of what to go look for. So again, they do play, they go hand in hand sometimes, which is really yep. awesome. So you mentioned hitters. Let's, let's transition to pitchers. What are some stats you like to look for when it comes to pitchers? And, and it's funny with pitchers. I almost start on fan. I start on fan graphs more than I do baseball savant. It's almost like a flip flop for me. I, I love K to walk percentage. That's a big one for me. Um, I think that tells you a lot about a pitcher. I, I love uh, XFIP and Sierra's kind of looking at those rates. Uh, the home run to fly ball, I'm, I'm a big fan of that one. And then one that's not on either one of these pages, it goes back to pitcher list and Alex Fast. The CSW rates are insanity. And if you want to dig into Alex Chamberlain, he is a first-class friend and first-class nerd because he goes into <laughs> some of the deepest analytical dives I will never understand. But he made a very, very pitcher-friendly – advanced stats deal that I get expected strikeouts and stuff. If you ever want to get lost in something, go donate like 20 bucks to a charity and he'll give it to you. And it is everything you could dream of and more. And um, it's a lot of fun. Like I can get lost on baseball. So I'm looking up hitters and searching hitters on his thing with pitchers. I can go down some like Rob Silver's tweeting out stuff every day about it. If Rob Silver, who is one of the better fantasy players I've ever seen is doing that, it's probably, probably pretty good information. Yeah, and it's something I've gotten really into because I was my biggest weakness as an analyst was on the pitching side of things. Oh, 100 percent, I'm with you. Uh, pitching, and, I'm still scared to write about pitching because I don't think I can put it on paper as well as I can talk about it. And I just, I finally put that. I just put out a Descafani deep dive about two weeks ago, maybe, and that was my first pitching article. And if you look back, it was probably my first pitching article since I first started pitching. For, since, for, since I first started writing. And then I did a, I also did the sleepers because I did it for fan tracks because 
I kind of volunteered myself <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was my way to kind of push myself. Cause what I did was I was like, okay, I got to get better. And that chart took me to another level, man. Like I'm so much more confident cause I now I feel comfortable breaking down the individual pitches and mm-hmm. like just looking at splits on the pitches and just like stuff like that. Like that was stuff I wasn't doing a year ago. That, that yeah. was something I, I took the time. And like you mentioned, I spent hours on that thing hours on that thing to, to improve and that's the type of thing that like there's nothing wrong with that because i'm telling you i'm still learning just like you yeah. are it's just it's, it's something just, new all the time all that there's something new all the time so never think you know everything no and the second you think you do you gotta mm-hmm. stop doing this just like any other career or any other job or, or hobby the second that you think you're too good to learn or too or better than the rest it's probably time to retire because that means somebody else has to take over the reins. So, but Chamberlain is a great guy. He's like, and you mentioned the charity part. I uh, I donated as well. And that's how I got my hands on the. Because he has this uh, the hit. He has a hitter one. That's you donate. You, he offers the the pitcher one for free. I think still. But if you want the hitter one, which is another rabbit hole in itself, because I actually tweeted out a uh, Pete Alonzo one, which I'm not. I'm not like I'm usually the one arguing against Pete Alonzo, but his barrel rates against individual pitches was absolutely absurd. I tweeted it out a while ago because it was like top 10 this one top 15 it was pretty much top 12 or 15 in every single pitch i looked up he was he had one of those top 12 or 15 barrel rates so i was like um okay i guess like that's something i didn't know because i knew he barreled a lot but geez he barreled every type of pitch that was the, that's where it got more impressive so that's the type of stuff you could find on this list just to give you guys an idea if you weren't if you weren't aware so it's an awesome list and yeah pitching like i said i still like i've gotten better a lot of it's sp streamer man you know my, the other mic on the podcast i've put together a nice little very crew. smart Yes, he is. And I put together a good little crew here. I'm very, very proud of my little team. And uh, Mike in himself is, was a big reason why I pushed myself because it's like, damn, this guy's showing me up on, my, on the podcast. <laughs> I got I to got, I got be able to keep up a little bit, you know? Yep. So uh, I feel you. So, yeah, with Toby, I can imagine. Like, I, ugh, yep. I can't keep up with Toby. Great nah, guy. He's, smart a, he's, guy. he's a beast. He's a beast. He's, it's uh, a good thing. Yeah. I, I mean that, I mean that oh, yeah. as a compliment for sure. Yep. All right. On that note, we're going to take a brief break and we'll be back with you shortly. And we're back. We talked about how we like to do with hitters. Talk about like what you, what you like to do with pitchers. Let's put it all together. Put some, a little bit of a fantasy twist on things as far as like some analysis goes. And give me a couple of each that you just – I mean, as many names as you want, hitters and pitchers, we can start with whichever. Just guys that you are really targeting this draft season. Well, I'll start with one hitter. And I know it's a guy you like a lot as well. And his name is Matt Olson. Uh, we actually sh- we share this relationship quite a bit. But, uh, again, this is why I love StatCast because if at first you don't see a lot of red, you can pretty much just go to another guy. It just gives you the tip <laughs> off right away. Don't even dig in anymore. What Matt Olson does is just murder baseballs. He's been over a 50% R hit rate for two straight years. Barrel rate's been over 12% for three straight years, 14 and a half last year. One stat I'm starting to use a lot of, and I know it's become more and more popular in the nomenclature, is Xwell Bacon because it takes Xwoba and even counts in the home runs and everything, like really gets the big quality of contact. And his is a 489 last year. He's approaching 500, per, like 50% of the time he's hitting the living snot out of a baseball. Um, that is ridiculous what he's doing up there. And, you know, he's got some swing and miss in there. There's no, no, no hiding that, but we see that in this era of baseball where these guys uh, just hit the ball so hard, but a pull rate of uh, almost 50% last year. It's been over 43% for three straight years. And we, we've seen how pulled barrels are just a great success for home runs. Matt Olson just thrives in that aspect. He's not going to light the world on fire in batting average. But even last year when he hit 267, his ex-batting average was 276. So in theory, he underachieved with all his X stats. Even his Woba 368, X woba 386, he beat the Hamate injury myth last year and still hit 36 home runs. Uh, I love this man. I think he's going to hit over 40 home runs. He's going to be an MVP candidate. I ranked him, I think, third at first base this year. I think you had him pretty high as well. He's of, in front of Pete Alonso for me. I think at worst, you get the same numbers at, like, 50 picks later. So, give me all the Matt Olson this year. It's funny, though, because Matt Modica, I think it, he just tweeted out maybe like half an hour or maybe an hour ago at this point, right before we got on, basically, that uh, he saw Matt Olson, go, Matt Olson go, like, in the third round of a draft recently. Oh, the and NFBC like, is going to get getting get wild. He's get well. He's getting pushed up more and more, and it doesn't help that you, me, like everybody, like everybody, everyone is talking him up because right now a lot of it isn't just the skill set and the belief, but it's the value. 
but you take away the value and if you're pushing them up to like the third round, you're pushing them up to also to Alonzo territory. And although I value them similarly, I won't pay that price for even Olsen as much as I love Olsen. You know what I mean? Like the, at some point there's just, I'm priced out on a person, no matter how much I like them. And that mm-hmm. at, at third round for him, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like as much as I love Olsen and you know, we've talked about this at nauseum on and off the air. Like we just, we both love Olsen, but, I don't know about you. Are, are you? Would you pay a third round price for him? I know I wouldn't. No, no. Like, and I've said that on, on my show for some other players here and there. There's a price range for everybody, and if you start going that high with Matt Olson, it's tough. Um, I prefer him fifth round if I can. Maybe yeah. late fourth would be what I like. I prefer fifth round or later. But if he's going to get steam, it's tough because then I just sit back and take Jose Abreu like two rounds later. Oh, I'm totally yeah, cool with that. Funny that you say that name because that's like the name that came to mind. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll settle for Jose Abreu. Like <laughs> that's exactly the name that came to mind as well. And if if I miss on him too, Goldschmidt or Belt should, should be there. Oh, I miss on them. I'll stop. I'll, I'll hit the Mancini train. Like yeah, Mancini, Reese Hoskins, Carlos Santana. There's there's options. Exactly, and people people are really worried about first base. It does it does there is a drop off around like that yes. 14, 13, 14 range, but in a, in a twelve teamer, there really should be no zero issue. You shouldn't have any concerns. So fifteen teamers, I can understand it. All right, so um, I you know me, I'm not gonna argue with Olson. Obviously, I support it. Who else uh, are you tar- are targeting a lot, a whole lot of? One one I've been noticing more and more between mock drafts, best balls, just research in general, and uh, is Tommy Pham. He went over to San Diego. We talk about this need for speed all around the industry because it's so, you know, rare these days or whatever. But you get a guy like Tommy Pham going about pick 73 since January 1st in NFBC ADP's uh, 21st outfielder out the board. And he's the last um, three seasons, 25, 15, 25 steals, 23, 21, 21 homers. So we've gotten you 20, 20 in two of those three years, 15, 20, or 21, 15, I should say. The other two, he's hitting for like 275 or higher. He's going to help you in all five categories. And those are kind of stats that some guys are looking for in the early rounds with their shortstops they're drafting and whatnot. You can go grab Tommy Fan. He's right next to Ramon Laureano, a very popular name as well. Personally, I don't dislike Laureano, but I'll take Tommy Fan, the proven commodity, more. I like the San Diego offense. They brought him over for a reason. He's an on-base machine for those that have moved towards OBP leagues. I think there's a lot to like with Tommy Fan out there in San Diego. And then just, you know, it doesn't hurt playing like nine games in Coors. That'll be nice as well. So uh, Tommy Pham is a guy I find myself gravitating to more and more because outfield, there's obviously a lot of outfielders, but in leagues we play, Mike, you need five outfielders. So it dries up a little faster than people think. And a guy like Tommy Pham, 2020 upside, goes a long ways for me. It's funny that you mentioned that because Pham is somebody I recently got turned on to, and I forgot why. But I was like, you know what? Fam is ridiculously because the fact he's going in the 70s or wherever he is in ADP, that blew my mind because everybody's talking about power speed combinations and he's not getting any respect. And he actually three straight, he's always known as a health risk. But if you look at it, and I know again, I know I wrote about him for some reason because I know this random stat of the fact that if you look at the last three years, he's actually played more games each year. So it's like, I think it was like 110, 120, and the 140 something last year. Something along those lines. And my point is, though, is he manages to learn how to stay healthy a little more every year. So I'm not saying he'll play more than 150 games, but the, tra- the trajectory he's on suggests he's learning how to manage his body better as he's getting a little older, a little more experience in the major leagues because he was a later breakout. So maybe we're seeing, maybe, maybe he'll be a little healthier, but even not, that's baked into the price. So I'm, again, and we didn't, I, you, by the way, for people, if anybody's interested or curious, I had no idea who was on his list coming into the night. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're on, we're on, I don't want, I hope you're not in my TGFBI league. That's all <laughs> at this point. I'm uh, just I'll just that. give you a heads up. You don't have to worry about me. There's a lot of fish or sharks in that, those ponds over there. Oh, oh, I'm fully aware, but I don't like the right now we're two for two. Who's number, who's another name? Well, I'm going to put it this way. There's, there's three third basemen that I really, really like, and I want to leave with one of these three if I can. Uh, Jose Ramirez, I'm buying back in on in a big, big – there's actually more than three third basemen, but these three I wrote down. Uh, Jose Ramirez, I'm buying back in a big, big way. But, uh, and then Mike Moustakis, second base or third base, mm-hmm. give me all the moves this year. I, I, I drooled about him on the last podcast with, with Toby. <laughs> Guys, go listen to it. I am a gigantic Moustakis fan. If you want him, you better take him early in our drafts. That's all I'm going to say. The guy I'm going to talk about, though, is Yohan Moncada. This guy is uh, 24 years old, and he continues to get better. We've seen the improvements year after year with Moncada. Last year, a 12% barrel rate to go with a 48% hard hit rate and a 478 XO bacon. 
And the things I like to see with, with Moncada, his plate discipline is getting better and better. Yes, he chased the ball. His chase rate went up a boatload last year, but his contact rate, his uh, whiff rate didn't change. His just overall quality of contact was tremendous. And if you look at, like, Max Freeze's expected home run rates and the ballpark factors and everything, he could be in for just a doozy. He throws in 10 to 15 steals to go with his 25-plus home run power. Uh, you look at all the projection sites out there now, 25 or more homers, 12 or more stolen bases, 270 average. These are phenomenal. I think that's like a good floor. I think he's got even more upside with that uh, White Sox lineup that's going to be very, very good. I am a big believer in Moncada. Somebody on Twitter, we had a little – it was Twitter or, or Reddit, one of the two. We were debating when I put my rankings out, uh, could they see Moncada being a top five third baseman by season's end? And I said, yes. His ceiling is a top five third baseman. His floor is at worst a top ten. Like he's a very, very good player that uh, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg on at age 24. I honestly saw the live like the live chat going on on Reddit. I didn't chime in or anything. I did kind of go through it, but I did not see the rankings. I, mean, I should have probably looked at those, actually, while I was looking <laughs> through the chats. But which one do you prefer as far as Mankata and Machado, which was really hard and was like a little bit of a tongue twister? <laughs> I know you're a Machado fan. I prefer the upside and the stolen bases with Mankata. You are not wrong for that because I'm a Machado fan because of the perceived value. I, my, and I think it's coming off as I'm a huge Machado guy. I just think that my big, my big comp was Arenado because if you look at a lot of their underlying numbers, they're very similar. So Arenado outside of cores, people have these high expectations for when Machado should – like I, I mean, I guess, you know, work ethic. And I do believe Arenado is a better hitter, but – just a lot of the contact rates. If you actually go look at their plate disciplines, they're very similar. Their X stats are very similar. And this is with Machado missing a year in Camden now. So it's like my big thing was that was why I was very pro Machado. It was like, well, I can take Machado in the fifth round. There's a chance Arenado is pretty much the same guy going in the second round if he gets traded. So that's where that love came from. But as far as Machado goes, I'm, I, they're, if they're not right, if they're not back to back, I honestly might think they were even, I think I might have Machado ahead of them. Let me reference my early. I have them pulled up here, actually. My early. I have Mancata ninth. I have Machado like 12th or 13th. That's funny. I have Mancata seventh and Machado ninth. I wanted to move <laughs> Mancata up some more, but I have I actually have Mustakis ahead of Mancata, I think. Ooh, I, lo- see, I love Mustakis. I actually am too low. I, I, I will admit the fact that I'm too low on Moose. On Moose. I, need, I need to move him up. But no, it's actually, hard. I, have him, I have him 11th. No, we're good. I, I just have a hard time. It's like Machado, I moved up to ninth, but it's like. I want to take. I kind of want to move Vlad back ahead of him because I'm buying into the hype of Vlad Donaldson. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to move up ahead of him, but Donaldson's kind of the same player. Mm-hmm. I know we're not, you're going to do your own third base rankings and stuff. And I don't want to get into a third base. It's just I feel like there's just such a big tier of like just pick who you want here. No, it's that's exactly base. what it is. After like the top five, I think are pretty much set in stone for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's into a pretty. Uh, a murky, murky water of like where you can have a wide variety of rankings at that position, and people will still find a way to give you such a hard time. Oh yeah, that's what that's they're why here for. <laughs> I do tier banked. I, and honestly, I realize tier based rankings because I break them down in tiers and all that. I've gotten a lot of of good reception on that, or mostly because of the fact that people are like, "Oh, well, you this you rank this guy too high," and then I explain, "Well, they're, they're in the same tier because I can understand you taking them wherever you want to within this tier." The idea is that I value them all similarly. This is just my preferences. And when I yes. say that to people, they're like, "Oh, okay." Like it has somehow diminished the troll the trolling amount immensely. Like Reddit used to kill me. Now they're more, almost more receptive because like, "Well, he's only a partial idiot, not a complete idiot in my eyes." <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I get I get one down vote for every instead of every three now. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, Reddit's a Reddit's a wild place. It's uh, yeah. I, I know when I put the the rankings out, shortstop. Uh, and the biggest complaint I had at shortstop is why is Corey Seager not in your top 20? But uh, for anybody that's listened to me over the last years, Corey Seager is never going to be in my top 20. So that's just a, a thing of mine. You'd rather uh, miss, you'd rather miss out completely. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't need, I'm not, I'm not taking that gamble ever with him. I, I'd rather gamble on guys like Carlos Correa than Corey Seager. Yeah. I Seager's 17 for me right now. So it's like, not like I I wouldn't even blame you because guys behind him like Newman Horner, if he's a starter, key boom, if he's a starter Swanson, even I get it. So yeah. Totally understand it. That's my other argument. The, the, the argument I used instead of telling them they're dumb is because uh, that's just mean. Is um, <laughs> I, I, my argument was always well, shortstop's so deep, it's hard to have just everybody in the top twenty. <laughs> yeah, Didi Gregorius, Scott, Scott Kingery. I'm still going. Yeah. Uh-huh. I have Didi. I have Didi at thirteen. Wow, 
Okay, yeah. that's a hot take. <laughs> Not a bad. Hey, but here's the thing. I've honestly learned, and that's like a year ago, my ignorant self would have been like, oh, you're an idiot. But honestly, it's all about player evaluation. It's all about how you feel mm-hmm. about a guy. And dude, I know you're not an idiot. Like I know you're a good. Yeah. I, I know you're, I know you're a smart person. Like so, I was like, I'm more intrigued. Cam, do you have? Do you mind telling me why? Yeah. Or, I'll keep. Uh, I can, I'll do the Cliff Notes version here, please. so I don't kill everybody. Um, D was banged up. He came back too early last year for one mm-hmm. from, from Tommy John. Then he hurt his shoulder. We never saw the full DD last year. Previous to that, we saw the full DD all the time. Also, we know DD. Every single home run he's hit has been a pulled home run. Well, good for him at Citizens Bank Park. There's only one ballpark better than Citizens Bank for pulling the right field, and that's Yankee Stadium by a minute percentage based on some of the, the data that's come out lately on pulled barrels and pulled home runs and everything. So Citizens Bank Park is probably the best landing spot outside of Yankee Stadium for D.D. Gregorius to go to. Um, I think a fully healthy D.D. Gregorius, which he's supposed to be coming into the season in that Phillies lineup, I think should flourish. And uh, if, you know, going into, I wouldn't say last season because he was already out with Tommy John surgery the season before, after coming off a big year, Didi was a top 15 shortstop. So the idea of having them so far down, I'm not saying, you know, 13 is probably pretty darn bold. I get it. <laughs> but I, I always have a couple guys in my rankings. I move like this, like at second base, I have Moustakis at eight. Um, I put certain guys in certain spots to basically let people know I am super high on this guy. And if you want him, come get him, basically. So, like, because part of me when I do rankings, you obviously rank him based on – you don't basically do it identical to ADP, but you also factor in if you want this guy, you got to take him by this point. At the same time, I, I rank him as, you know, I like these guys. Like, Glaber Torres, I am not big on. I have a, him as my eighth shortstop on the board. I do not want Glaber Torres. But um, it just, it's, just, it's just the little things that vary like that. I, I, th- I feel like Glaber Torres is a great example. It's for, uh, you said shortstop? He's eight. Is that what you said? Yeah, shortstop. He's eight at second base. He's second. Okay, that's funny you say that. He's exactly eight right now for me at shortstop. And the only reason why he's ahead of Correa and Bichette for me are because I feel like there's a little more of a track record, and Correa can't stay healthy. And second base, he is. I still put him down at third, and I'm moving him to fourth. Actually, like I'm just, I'm just that low. You have Albies and Marte ahead of him. Yes, Albies, Marte, and and Altuve was ahead of him, and now it's like they're back to back, three, four. I I almost moved Albies to two and Claver to three. I just I, I want to move Cattell. I just can't do it yet, but I don't fault you for that at all. I I, Cattell, I, I get it. I get it. Cattell at one. I, it's Cattell and Albies one two, and I'm not sure which one I want to put at one. I think Cattell offers a little more ceiling. That's why we're getting to a whole another discussion. I love this stuff, man. I mean, I knew this was yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. All right, let's reel it back That's in so again. So much for that 25 minute podcast, huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. I hope, I hope you're <laughs> no, not. Don't, no, apologize. <laughs> I'm just laughing. I, I, I knew this. it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> well, because I've done these in like 30 to 45 minutes usually. Yeah, but, I like to talk too. <laughs> and we've built a little bit of a rapport more than like some of the other guys. Like guys I've started to build rapports with, like like Matt Williams and um, MLB Moving Averages, John L. Good good guys. I just you know didn't talk to them as much. But you, you're a return guest. I've been on your pod. We talk. We shoot the stuff behind the scenes on time from time to time. So I'm not, I should have, I should have known better. So let's, 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 I don't want to hold you up too long. So let's get, let's go ahead and I'll move over to pitchers. Are there a couple guys that you just can't see yourself leaving drafts with at least one of here and there? Yeah. There's one guy for sure that I know the price is going to keep going up. It just hasn't come up a ton just yet. I haven't, it hasn't completely done it for me yet, but um, let me see where he's going. Now he's up to the 19th pitcher off the board, pick 58. You Darvish, um, when the draft started out, he was super low. I love everything that happened in the second half last year. It's similar to the Flaherty, like he found his release point and they just got dialed in. Second half ERA of 276, first half uh, 501. He barely walked anybody in the entire second half. First half was a disaster. So you just – you look at the, the tale of two, two halves. It was two different pitchers. It was the guy we expected it to be. And um, I expect him to come back this year and, and be good because he was kind of, you know, coming off of injuries to start last season. Took him a while to get back in the groove. We know how good you Darvish can be. And at least one thing that's pitching for me is I want guys to strike guys out. We know you Darvish is a strikeout monster. It's what he always was in, in Texas, no matter if the control is there or not. He struck dudes out. Um, last year, a K per nine of 11 and a half. He had an 11 the, the year before. His walks uh, reduced in half last year. So there's a lot to like there. And that K to walk percentage, like I talked about, a 24% K to walk percentage is darn near elite. So I'm a big, big fan of you, Darvish. 
Yeah, and you, Darvish. I mean, I've he's grown on me a little bit. I haven't gotten any because I think it's like I'm. I don't know. I I totally buy, I buy into the second half, and like you said, he you know he was a he was what I think the year before the year he got hurt, he was going like a top five, top ten pitcher. Yeah. I remember like it was ridiculous. And he what, was it was it was it the year that he threw the eight two thirds perfect? Was that the same? So, yeah. I think that was the same year because I remember watching that one live while because we actually had a very late uh, home league draft. It was actually one of my first years into fantasy baseball. It shows you how much of a noob I am as a whole. <laughs> like I really wasn't playing much fantasy. I was like one of my first, maybe my second or third year playing. But anyway, so yeah, you Darvish, I'm still torn on him. I'm not out on him, but I'm not sold on him either. So I probably won't end up with him because of that. So yeah, this is, this is, I, I this is the first him. time. This is the first time where we don't see eye to eye, which is not a bad thing. It's, it's just, not a bad thing. I'm a little disappointed now because I expected us to be. I was hoping we'd be locked up the whole way, but not quite on this one. No big deal because I totally get it. he's in that range for me though. So yeah. he's like top twenty five still for me. So um, any any other pitchers or is that uh, James pa- James Paxton's one I really like. I understand the concerns. He doesn't go like over 150 innings, but. One thing I learned last year, and it worked very well with Steven Strasburg, because that argument's always been with Strasburg, he's always hurt, <laughs> is the era we live in now where pitchers go five or six innings, and if they go more than six, you're very lucky. I'm going to start just taking quality, giving me 150 quality over 200, who knows? Like, it, it's starting to become a lot to be said about that, because say you get 150 really quality innings, and the guy gets hurt, well, you're going to replace him with somebody. So you get those 150 qualities, you find, you stream some stuff off the, the waiver wire and throw that into it, and you have a really darn good pitcher. So you got to start – for me, i got to start thinking of it that way. Uh, so Paxton's a guy I'm not ignoring as much as years past. I loved what he did in the second half in Yankee Stadium. I think he finally got comfortable in the Bronx. It can't be a great place to just walk into from Seattle as a Canadian. Not really the most friendly confines <laughs> in Yankee Stadium. Um, the, the guy, though, that I wanted to mention a little more, doing relievers – I did catchers and relievers for the Fantasy Black Book. I did, I think, 48 total relievers, maybe more. I can't even remember now. But Brandon Workman of the Boston Red Sox completely slipped my mind last season. And when I dug into him, ridiculous. 1880 ERA, 3-3 XFIP, not great. But man, oh, man, a 13K per nine. Uh, he had 16 saves. He had 10 wins. He was 10-1 and one, um, out of the bullpen. For you. He had a couple spot starts, but pretty much out of the bullpen – and you look at his K to walk rate, uh, about 21%, a 36% strikeout rate. Um, the dude was just filthy, like really, really filthy. And he should walk right into that Boston closer's role to start the season. And unless he scuffles, he's not going to lose it. And he's going at pick um, 165 right now behind Jose LeClerc, Hansel Robles right in front of Archie Bradley. I will take Brandon Workman over any of those three guys, other guys at closers. He's a few more picks in front of Ian Kennedy. I think Workman's a good uh, second reliever if you're looking for one. You, after the Darvish snafu, you, you, you got, we lined back up again. <laughs> Paxton's a guy I, I've come around on. At first I was like, oh, the innings. But when you look at like, – that's ex- your reasoning was spot on as to why I came around on him. And, again, this goes back to do, doing your own ranks. If I didn't do my own ranks, I don't think I ever would have looked into Paxton. I, I figured I just would have thought he is who he is, he is, whatever, whatever. But doing my own ranks made me realize I, I was too long, so I ended up bumping him up. And I still actually, I think, on the update, I think I'm going to push him up a little more because I'm for the same very same reasoning. I'll take the quality over quantity at this point because, like you said, 180 is like the new norm, so give me 160. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm with you. And Workman, yes, please. Like I just actually drafted him in my last NFPC uh, – league as my second as my second reliever or the second either way he's one of my relievers he's a second reliever for me one of my nfbc formats i've done three of them and it's by design because he's a great value right now and i think that's going to go away so it's like there's yeah it, it's been go it's been going up because since i we all started degening adp in like november december when it came mm-hmm. out he was like i think at one point almost out of pick 200 um now he's up to 165 i I think the name is uh, is it's moving up the ladders and that's gonna suck but there's why there's an argument for drafting early i'm not the biggest draft early fan because i hate getting injuries and being screwed but it's little things like that it's bittersweet because like like for instance zach the guy on the the other uh, you know my other co-host on my other podcast Mm -hmm. i can't keep up anymore uh he was a big lewis a big louis he calls him lou bob and all everyone calls him Lou bob's easier you know what I'm trying to say. Louis that. Robert. Louis yeah, Robert. Louis, Louis Robert. Robert. You see this yeah. thing, Louis Robert. He calls him Louis. I'm like, it's Louis Robert. Or it's yeah. Louis. Sorry, Louis. Louis Robert. 
goodness, I tried. I really do try to make get names right. But he was a big Luis Robert guy. He drafted him pretty much everywhere early on at, at mm-hmm. good value. I think once he reached him, and if I say reach in quotes, because again, you learn that nobody's a reach when you if you if that's how they value them. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say that because a reach like you know we saw DJ. I think the early uh, Max uh, min picks were DJ Mayhew and Danny Santana in the first round. But I digress. That's a bit much. That that's where I would call it a reach. Mm-hmm. But other than that. What I was getting to is that he had he got he got Lou Bob at this fantastic value compared to now you're paying premium because you got this because you got the contract so that is the fight that's the argument for it the argument against it is someone like me who I was trying to be a little risk adverse and I draft guys I drafted guys that currently had roster spots even at the back end of roster spots like um, I think was it Willie Castro or Harold Ka- one of those guys on the Tigers that don't have a roster spot now because they signed Crone and. Um, and scope. and scope mm-hmm. so it's like it's like kind of like i got burned where people were maybe a little better off like oh well i saw that happening well no i, I don't think you saw the tigers getting these guys you know what i mean so i was figure i just play, i played the odds like oh the tigers aren't gonna go sign nobody they don't they don't want to spend money and I, I you know it burned me so there is there is given i guess what i'm trying to ultimately say is there's give and take it's drafting early as well that's why i've taken a little bit of a break here i'm going to jump into a couple of them towards the you know towards the late february early march area so the good thing is this year is almost all the signings are done in like years past. So like even Ozuna was going outside of 100 and that's going to change now going full circle. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Exactly. So is that going to do it? Did we, did we, we went longer than I anticipated, which I'm thankful for your time. So no I, wasn't sure if there's, I wasn't sure if there's any more uh, names you wanted to drop or. No, I, that was it. I, I put about three guys of each position there and. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, and then we got, whoa, whoa, hello. Sorry. It's all good, man. He's welcome on the show too. Yeah, you should you should see uh, when I do my quick hits. I do it every morning about four in the morning, and they're not very receptive. So uh, he he makes an appearance a couple times a week. Nice. Well, yeah. with that being said, Bubba again, appreciate your time. You can follow Bubba on Twitter at bdentric. That's at b d e n t r e c e k. Oh, sorry, e k. Jeez, I I not only did I butcher saying I butcher spelling. Let's try this again. At B-D-E-N-T-R-E-K. The funny part is I'm actually looking at your Twitter page and I still <laughs> spelled it wrong. So I spelled it right the second time. Again, you can find them. Let's see. There's at Fantasy DGens, Quant Edge, Fantrax, which that's I'm, – I'm a homer there. So Fantrax, you can find my work too. Um, at Two Point com- uh, Conversion DFS, at Always Press DFS. Jeez, man. You have any questions, hit him up on Twitter. Obviously, the guy knows his stuff and stays busy. Yeah, check out Bench with Bubba. That's my baby. Go check out Bench with Bubba. And uh, there's there's going to be a surprise coming around the corner here too. So more Ooh, to surprise. Yeah, Bench with Bubba, great podcast. I, I keep, It's just it's a mouthful of plug everything <laughs> you do, man. So oh, I no. mean, it's it's out of respect, and I mean it in the in the with the utmost, I guess, respect is the word again. So with that being said, I'm rambling on again, as always. Appreciate you listening, guys. Get, you can follow me on Twitter as well if you'd like to, at Mike underscore Curlin. And with that being said, we will talk to you soon. 